This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. Hi, Magna. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for thinking of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Well, you are one of my favorite guests ever. Period. Thank you. And also, this will be such a delightful turn because we just got off the air talking about like pathological liars and how they end up (laughs) becoming members of Congress and presidents. And it just like it was so depressing. It was the opposite of the kind of journalism that I promised you we would be doing. (laughs) Welcome to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. Today, we're going to basically talk about the opposite of pathological liars who get elected into office. We're going to talk about regular people who need to speak in front of a large audience for whatever reason. People who want to be taken seriously without pretending to be someone they're not. My name is Yuzuha, and I'm a journalist based in Japan, and I have been working in this field for six years, mainly in digital, and I cover business and technology. You may have actually come across Yuzuha's work in outlets like Reuters or the BBC or Newspicks. And although she currently works with the written word, she'd love to do more with the spoken word. I think one of the reasons why I love audio is that I feel this intimacy. Mm. But for me, broadcast is something for the boys who has the appearance, who has the confidence. I've always felt I'm not good enough for this. Mm. And did you come up with that on your own? Or did somebody tell you that? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Or was it a combination? Ah, yes. In Japan, maybe it's also in America or other countries as well. Many of the journalists, especially the senior journalists, they are male. Mm. So when I come into the, the room and to do the interview myself, sometimes people don't take me that I am a journalist because I'm a little bit younger mm. I am, and I am female. So they don't assume that I'm a journalist. Mm. So they think that you're doing what instead? Well, that's really bad Japanese tradition, but female employee come in the room to to give out the mm-hmm. teas, mm-hmm. serve the teas, yeah. and that's a kind of role that we are assumed. Okay, so that doesn't help, right, with this whole be confident, be yourself um, <laughs> framework. No, not at right? all. When I go into the room with another journalist who is a lot more senior, who is male, who is more confident, Mm -hmm. then sometimes what happens in the room is that the company executives start to talk to only the Mm -hmm. other journalist, not me, because they think that the other person is a lot more important Mm -hmm. or they have the power. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they can ignore me. So you feel maybe a little suddenly invisible? Yeah. Hmm. It's not a good feeling. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yazuha's dream is to become a broadcast journalist one day, asking tough questions in front of a live audience and holding her own, even with people who might underestimate her. Her first test is coming up sooner than she expected. So in a month, I will be 
moderating a panel for the first time, and it is a fairly big conference held in Tokyo. And I will bring up two guests, and I will moderate a panel about a future food. So this is my first time hosting or moderating a panel, and I am nervous about it. What's that? Tell me what that's like. What is your? <laughs> I hate to say this. It feels like I'm torturing our guests when I say this. But what is your worst no, no. fear about next ah. month's panel? So I think there are a couple because I am a journalist still early in this career. There are so many more talented and experienced journalists, and being a female, being a non-English speaker, I fear that. There are so many great guests coming in, and I want to bring the best out of them.、Mm. But I fear that if I mess up,、mm. that's not going to happen. So that's I see the biggest fear I have. So it's、yes. almost like you're hosting a very special dinner party, and it's all—it's on、mm-hmm. you to kind of bring、yes. out the best in everyone, make everyone feel、um, engaged and curious, and not screw it up. And you have some. Worries about whether you're the right person for the job. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Today on the show, we're going to help Yuzuha get ready for her live audience debut, speaking publicly in front of hundreds of people, despite her fears and their prejudices, whatever they may be. So, how do you command a room while still being yourself? To help her out, we brought in one of the most impressive, but also most genuine on-air radio interviewers I have ever come across. Well, my name is Meghna Chakrabarty, and I am the host of a public radio program called On Point, which is heard on public radio stations across the United States. If you haven't heard On Point, you definitely need to check it out. Megna interviews people live on air every day about fascinating and important subjects, and she's known for being deeply prepared, but also bringing her whole self, grace and humor included, to the broadcast, which is something we can all aspire to. Whether you're hosting a podcast or moderating a panel or giving a presentation at work, sooner or later we all have to capture a live audience. So Megna's here to teach us how to speak confidently. Without necessarily being the loudest person in the room, stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions, built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further: the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com/defender. 
This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com podcast, or find it wherever you listen. Um, Magna, what's your first reaction? Well, my first reaction is, Yuzuha, you have a beautiful voice, first and foremost. Um, And I've just been listening very intently. I have a million possible things. (laughs) But I'd like to be as helpful to you as as I can be. Maybe instead of giving you sort of a bullet list of advice, which when people do that to me, I find that of sort of questionable utility. I'm going to start by asking you a question instead. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the kind of person that you are? I would say that that I am an introvert. So I work better in a one-on-one setting rather than a big dinner party. If someone is down or suffering, I think I might be able to sense that. So that's my power compared to the sparkling woman. That's hard for me. So... Does that help you? Mm, it does, because, first of all, I can deeply relate. I'm a capital I introvert. Um, yeah. yeah. People are always like, but you host this radio show. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. because I can sit alone in a studio mm-hmm. and talk to people. Yes. Um, it's not at a party where I would be with you in the corner, shrinking into the shadows. But, you know, it's interesting how you describe yourself, because you were right about audio being an incredibly intimate medium. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to, if I may, describe the person that I'm hearing when you talk, okay? So the person I'm hearing is deeply thoughtful, uh, empathetic, inquisitive, uh, and sensitive. So it's a little different than how you might have described yourself. And I put it that way because I don't actually hear a person who lacks confidence. I hear a person who's willing to engage with some probing questions that Amanda and I have just asked you. And the reason why I point that out is because, you know, you said the third thing you wanted to uh, know about was, you know, what role should you have in audio journalism? What kind of style should you have? And I want to tell you, Yuzuha, um, You should just delete that question from your brain because I say this to everyone who asks me because people ask, I hate this question, but they ask me, oh, uh, you have this great like radio persona. Uh, How did you decide what your persona was going to be? I was like, "Um, that's just who I am. (laughs) So have confidence in the person that I'm hearing when I'm talking to you, Yuzuha. Just just be you. Because anyone I mm. that I know and admire who's been successful in audio journalism, they're never adopting a persona because of exactly mm. what you said. It's such an intimate medium, you can hear it when people are putting mm. on the kind of personality that they don't actually have. That's my most important starting point for you, is to be fully confident in who you are Because the person that I'm hearing right now is someone that I would want to listen to. Hmm. I really, really appreciate you saying that. And 
most of the journalists I work with is maybe five years or 10 years older than me. So mm -hmm. their dominance or their confidence is something different from me. And I sometimes feel that there are good sides in aggressiveness or inquisitiveness. But at the same time, sometimes it helps to be in a softer side. You could bring out other aspects of people if you're being on a different persona. Mm. So if I can be myself more, maybe there is something that I can bring out that other journalists may not be able to bring out. So your advice really, really helps me. That's our first takeaway. Putting on a persona is kind of like putting on a mask. Usually people can sense it, whether they can articulate it or not, something doesn't feel right. So your best choice is to show up as yourself, which is way easier said than done. Amanda, I'm sure you know as well as I that we're our own worst critics and therefore our own worst enemies. And I went through years when I started regularly hosting of like being really disappointed with myself at the end of every single show. <laughs> that just like wasn't helping me and it wasn't definitely was not helping, um, you know, the people who are working themselves to the bone to help make this whole program uh, a success. When you say when you first started hosting, you would feel disappointed in yourself. For for what? Can you say more about that? Mm. Oh, sure. Well, frequently, the number one thing that I would just be really uh, self-flagellating about is not having covered enough ground in the conversation as I wanted to or achieved, you know, that moment of depth where the interviewee is really revealing something or giving us analysis that we hadn't heard before so that, you know, my, my goal for every show of any program I've ever worked on is for the listener to stay with us and to walk away from it really having learned something they did not know before. And I always used to feel like I just never hit that point, never hit that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made me quite frustrated with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I should say, Magna, for your show, it's live and it's yes. every day. So yes. I can yes. see that there is pressure in a live mm -hmm. event to get to something new, to be useful, to you know even break news, right? Mm -hmm. There's pressure to do that. Sometimes I feel like there is a model for this, how a journalist is supposed to be, especially when doing, quote unquote, tough interviews with politicians, mm -hmm. right? There's a way you're supposed to be. And that way is very aggressive. And it's, you know, unflinching and relentless. And all of these things that our profession kind of holds up. Um, I will say that is not what most viewers and listeners want. <laughs> Often mm -hmm. there's a disconnect there. But that is kind of the default. And sometimes, you know, I feel like, oh, I'm supposed to act like a reporter. And it's it's not always intuitive to me. Um, what have you learned about how to hold people to account and ask tough questions? And still, you know, they're your guest, right? I mean, it is, mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a tension there. Yeah. This is such an interesting question, Amanda, because while I completely understand that people may not necessarily want uh, relentlessly aggressive questioning, and it's very culturally dependent, right? I mean, there are other places in the world where um, that is what folks want, but but it's not necessarily true here all the time. So I, I get that. And at the same time, though, especially with politicians or anyone um, 
who holds a lot of power, it's a tough balance. And I'll give you an example of uh, early on in my career where I absolutely did not strike that balance, and it kind of blew up in my face. So I was interviewing the uh, former governor of the state I live in, and I had done some pretty extensive reporting on some claims that he was making about, you know, saving a billion dollars in the state budget. And the claims were, I couldn't substantiate them. Um, And I came right out of the gates. (laughs) Just like... Boom, saying, you know, governor, you know, so-and-so has said this, this document says that, why are you making this claim? And it just did not go well, okay? Journalistically, I stand by every question I asked him, right? Because they, they, the content of the questions was definitely, they had to be asked. But in terms of, Amanda, you know, you're, to the point you're making, there's a human being mm-hmm. on the other side of the table. He got his back up. He was very argumentative. He just rejected even the basis of my questions, and it was just a grueling, awful 20 minutes. Thereafter, I learned you do have to have a period of time, whether it's live or on tape, um, being human with each other, right, and starting Mm -hmm. that way. So you establish a mutual respect of humanity, if not point of view, but of humanity. And then you can start saying, well, you know, or... I don't want to say you because people have different styles. But then I start saying, okay, well, so what about X? Or our reporting shows Y. And that has become a far more effective uh, way of doing it. Mm. But I guess I'm actually really glad you asked that question because connecting as human beings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, it's because, Yuzuha, you kept using this word intimacy. It's so right about this medium. Really, really matters to get the most out of the person, no matter who they are. Here's our next takeaway. And honestly, this could be a takeaway for almost all of our episodes. Meet people human to human first. Those moments of connection may seem artificial or like a preamble, but if they're genuine, they're essential. Be a human. You can set the tone for the entire rest of the conversation and dive much deeper, even in choppy waters, once you've connected as fallible, real people. Now, you might be thinking, how can I do that and still be taken seriously? Nobody wants to sound like a pushover or a suck-up. When we come back, we're going to hear exactly how Megna artfully pushed back on one very high-profile interviewee who wasn't really answering her question. Stay with us. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. We're back with Yuzuha, a journalist from Japan who's gearing up for her first live interview in front of an audience. 
and Meghna Chakrabarty, the host of On Point. Before the break, we were talking about how to ask tough questions in front of an audience while still being a human. So we thought it would be fun to hear a moment from an interview Meghna did with Dr. Anthony Fauci in 2021. At the time, she was pushing him about the CDC recalibrating when COVID should shift from a pandemic to a manageable endemic disease, essentially asking how we will know when the pandemic is under control. Take a listen. Dr. Fauci, I have one more quick question here. Sure. But I hear you very strenuously trying to not answer a question here. I am answering your question. We don't know what that number is. And that's why I say, and you think I'm being evasive, I'm not. <laughs> Let's all get vaccinated and you'll know it when you see it. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. You're wearing me down, though, Megan. <laughs> it's not asking softball questions, what, no. what I'm hearing. It's, it's connecting as a human being, and that could mean any number mm. of things, right? Yeah, it can mean any number of things. Just getting a sense of, uh, you know, what their ideas are, how they're doing. In fact, on my live show, I just ask that question a lot more these days. It's just mm -hmm. the most basic thing we all ask each other. And sometimes it kind of throws folks because they don't actually expect it on a radio <laughs> show. But, uh, you know, things like that. And then when you get to the, the sort of tougher, more pointed, fact-based questions, I would add, uh, Yuzuha, that that is a time to also... You have to build that muscle to be mm -hmm. willing to stand your ground, right? Mm -hmm. So you you don't become someone who defers to the unwillingness of the other person to answer the question. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of different ways of politely saying, you know, a phrase I often go to is, yeah, that was interesting, but I don't actually think I heard the answer to my question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you mm -hmm. can, there's different ways to poke and prod. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about radio is that there are people listening. So they mm -hmm. hear the same thing that you do as the host. Yes. And they hear the person not answering the question. Mm -hmm. I always call the role of a host the listener's advocate. Mm -hmm. When we take that point of view, it's absolutely understandable when you, you, might, you might say, well, I know you want to answer that question, but I think it's important mm -hmm. in the conversation right now to clarify for listeners you know, mm -hmm. why you lied about going to prison in 2013 or something, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever the topic might be. This is probably the single most important rule for how to prepare to speak in public. Whether it's a radio show or a keynote or a PowerPoint presentation, remember that you're the advocate for the listener. What do they need? What do they know? What do they want to know? Worry less about you about sounding smart or tough, and more about what your audience is yearning to understand. Once I sort of framed that, what the role is in my mind, it became a lot easier to navigate through conversations. I like that, the listener's advocate, right? Because mm -hmm. you are mm -hmm. hosting a gathering, and it's not just the people on stage or in the studio. Mm -hmm. It's the hundreds of thousands of people or hundreds of people, and you are their voice to some degree in that, in that context. So I wonder, hearing what Magna said, are there any things that come to mind for how you can prepare for this conversation you're going to have next month. Yes, so my panel is about the future of food. So I'm inviting a professor who is working on the alternative protein and also an entrepreneur who is working on the synthetic meat. So the ah, okay. topic is about that and bringing them 
from the Silicon Valley, California to Japan. It's not just about the technology, how innovative it is, but maybe there are many mothers or fathers who are concerned about like how healthy are they? Is it really sustainable for the environment? Those kind of basic questions, I think I want to cover for the listeners. And I felt that it's always important to keep in mind what is the level of the audience or the,、mm. the understanding or the context of the audience that they have.、Mm. That is, If、yeah. I go too technical, right? It's right. not going to、yeah. help. Honestly, I wish I could actually watch this. It sounds like it's going to be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> But、um, I would say two things that I would encourage you to remember.、Mm-hmm. First and foremost, remember, they asked you to be the moderator. Do you see why that's important? It's because they want you.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said earlier you were worried if you were the right person to do this or not.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do have a deep expertise in something your panelists don't, which is what Japanese、uh, viewers and listeners would most benefit from hearing from.、Mm-hmm. So I, I just say that, like, you don't have to pretend to be the scientific expert here. Mm-hmm. You bring your own expertise to the table. I would predict that no matter what you ask them, it will be very interesting to the people who watch. I mean, does that make sense? Yes. I have an expertise that the experts don't have. That is something that I should keep in mind because what's my role here? I am here to connect the audience and the panelists. So remind yourself, and this could even be a little note you look at right before you go on stage or a mantra you repeat in your head, that you were chosen for this task. Someone believed in you. So go do this thing the way that only you can do it. So I wonder, we all have things when we get nervous,、mm-hmm. right? That are our giveaways that we're nervous. Yuzuha, what happens to you when you get nervous? I think. In terms of my voices, I tend to pitch a little higher.、Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I listen back to my recording of me doing interviews, that I tend to not end the question or end、mm. the sentence well. I think I have a fear of being interrupted because I think I am easy to interrupt. So I try to minimize the gap, but、mm. that's making me. Harder to understand. So that's something that I noticed. Magna, you probably don't get nervous before you go on the air. No. But I'm wondering, <laughs> there might be situations where you still do get nervous. Maybe it's before a large live event or maybe it's at a party. I don't know. How does that feel to you? And what are some of the tricks you've learned to kind of get through that? Yeah.、Um... By, by the way, the, the question that you just asked, Yuzuha, this is why you're so good, Amanda. It was such a good question.、Um, <laughs> It's really、uh, a question for me. I'm not even. <laughs> I'm the advocate because I am the listener. <laughs>、um, I, what I try to do in order to prevent getting nervous、mm-hmm. is to prepare and over prepare. As much、yes. as I possibly can. Okay. And that involves, you know, reading, researching, all the things that we do as journalists and thinking through what I, you know, structuring what I think my ideal. And this is especially true for 
live events versus the radio show, which we also prepare, but it's just a slightly different way. And then <laughs> I put it away for, you know, mm. the, the day of the event, which is great because I find that for myself, I need a little bit of sort of spiritual and mental space from mm -hmm. uh, overthinking. You can overprepare, which is, I think, a good yeah. thing, but you probably shouldn't overthink because mm -hmm. overthinking um, is what makes me nervous and can sometimes undermine my confidence. So put it away, take long walks, meditate, you know, just have uh, a great day. And then, mm -hmm. then I just dive in. Hmm. Yeah, no, that is such a good point that you need to prepare, prepare, mm -hmm. prepare, right? Get, get really comfortable with the material and the people, have your note cards or whatever it is that you have, but then walk away. I love mm. that advice. Mm. Um, one thing that I sometimes forget is that when people are at a conference, what do they want most of all? They mm -hmm. want to be entertained. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. let's just be honest, right? Like, they want to learn mm -hmm. some things. They want to be curious. But they, it's a live event, right? Like, mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. you know, they want to see something magical happen or something funny mm -hmm. happen or something surprising, right? And that you can't prepare for because it's in the moment, you know? Like, if, and I always, yes. this is, I feel like it's next level. So one of the things I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to do when I'm moderating events, I don't know if you feel like this, Magna, but, you know, is not just kind of robotically ask each person to introduce themselves and then right. ask them my questions, one, two, three, but like react in real time, just like the audience is reacting, right? So if mm -hmm. somebody says something that surprises me, even the word choice, you know, maybe I'll, I'll come back to that. I might even interrupt them, God forbid, right? And, um, <laughs> and just kind of try to make it more like a conversation. People always say mm -hmm. that, right? But it's not, it's not easy to do because the, the environment is so, you know, formal and serious. Yeah. yeah. Could I just add another thing? Because yeah. what you said, Amanda, was like so spot on. It reminds me that we have a tendency to think of these events as the moderator and the panelists. But the most important character in the room is the audience, mm -hmm. right? Because they want yes. to be there. And so mm -hmm. therefore, you can really um, engage them in mm -hmm. in the whole the, the whole conversation. I I mm -hmm. frequently, you know, make as much eye contact with members of the audience. Mm -hmm as I do with the panelists. And I don't know, you know, if there are different cultural expectations in front of a Japanese audience. So I'm speaking in the American context here. But, um, you know, f I do a lot of, like, occasionally throwing questions to the audience. Be like, raise your hand if you think mm -hmm. that impossible mm -hmm. meat tastes like beef, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, and, mm -hmm. and so to make them part of the conversation and use them as your supporters, by the way. Say you ask a question right. that, like, the panelists don't want to answer. I've done this before. Mm -hmm. I look at the audience like, I, I don't know. I still want to answer that question. Don't you? <laughs> That's so mm -hmm. good, yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually find, if I can remember, I like to ask the audience a question in the first two or three minutes. Yeah. So right mm -hmm. away they get out of that mode of thinking they don't, they're not there. They don't matter. They're mm -hmm. passive, right? right? How many of you have had... Uh, artificial beef or how many of you um, mm. would try one if we had if we passed around a platter of fake meatballs right now <laughs> I don't know but uh is that something you think would go over a question for the audience definitely and what you said about how you're inviting the audience to the table to the conversation to be able to entertain the audience that's the most important thing and 
That advice really helps me a lot, yes. Part of being in the moment and kind of relaxing into the conversation and asking the audience questions and reacting to what gets said that you didn't expect, part of that is goes back to what, Magna, you were saying in the beginning, is you have to kind of just be, be who you are, not try to be someone else or someone you've seen on TV, right? Um, and you said, Magna, that... And when you first started hosting, you know, you really were hard on yourself after each show. Mm -hmm. And then you said you have to let that go. So I want to circle back and ask, what are some of the ways that you were able to let that go? Someone essentially took me aside and metaphorically whacked me over the head and said, you got to let that go. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I mean, I look, f finding mentors is incredibly mm -hmm. important. And no matter what you do, no matter what your vocation in life is, I solidly believe seeking out mentors is so important. I have been really lucky in my career. I've had several absolutely brilliant uh, mentors. And one of them, you know, I was like, oh, I didn't do this right today. I didn't do that right today. This didn't go well. Blah, 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 blah. And she took me aside. She's like, this is not good for you. And it's not good for your staff. You just have to let it go. Because you're going to do it again tomorrow, and you'll get a little better tomorrow. And then you're going to do it again the next day, and you're going to get a little bit better. You have to think about how you're undermining yourself by being so relentlessly critical when what you should be thinking about is, hey, these are all these things that we did that worked out. Some of it didn't, so let's, like, try it again tomorrow and have fun. And so um, I don't think I would have been capable within myself to snap out of it. I, I needed her to take me aside and sort of uh, set me straight a little bit, to be perfectly honest. So finding people who can give you that guidance, that loving, even if at times tough guidance, mm. I think is like, it's a game changer. Hmm. That's so interesting. She totally reframed it for you in about 30 seconds, it sounds well, like. And she also made me stop thinking about me. Right. right? You're because a leader like, in this room. You're, you're, there's the whole team here, right? Total team effort. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we're all responding to each other's energy all the time. So here's our last couple of takeaways. First, it's not about you. It's about your audience. Secondly, find your team, your mentors, people you trust to give you feedback in a way you can hear it. People who understand why you're doing this in the first place. Just give yourself the opportunity to develop yourself and develop your ideas. Have fun, please, please, Yuzuha, <laughs> please promise me you'll have fun because life's too short. And if you're not, you know, in, in enjoying yourself, whether it's at work or, or outside of work, <laughs> then I'd, re I'd ask you to reconsider everything. But um, I'd come back to what I told you when, I, when we first started. I hear in you already someone that I want to listen to. So please mm -hmm. don't be the person who undermines you. L let other people try to do that out there in the world, and then you can just tell them to buzz off. Don't be your own worst enemy, okay? That means a lot to me. Thank you so much, Megna. Oh, you're most welcome. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you to Yuzuha for bringing us this question. We can't wait to hear how the panel goes next month. And to Megna for all of her wisdom. You can catch On Point Live every weekday on public radio, or you can tune in via podcast by searching for On Point wherever you get your podcasts. 
Can I just add one more thing? Oh my god. Yeah, of course. You did say something you were wondering about um, voice in particular for audio. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you about that because I've never done mm-hmm. any voice training, and so mm-hmm. I would say, don't worry about it. The voice of God era is over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, fact, we don't. We want the opposite, right? Like we right. want humans. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. And and it, it all has to do. I probably, if you went back and looked in the transcript of our conversation, I probably said the word confidence like a thousand times. But the confidence with which you are engaging in the conversation is the most important thing. That is that is communicated through your voice. So work on that, and then the voice part mm-hmm. takes care of itself. Thank you, Megna. What about you? Do you have some insecurity you're trying to overcome? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And we'd love to have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. Surely you know someone who hates to speak in public. That helps us help more people. Howto's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson and Kevin Bendis produced this episode. Merritt Jacob is our senior technical director. Carvel Wallace is my co-host, and Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>